Welcome to Audiobook Test Drive. In today's episode, we are featuring an excerpt from True Vampires of History, written by Donald F. Glutt. Historical Accounts of the Undead Who Returned from the Grave to Drink Human Blood From the cobblestone streets of medieval Europe, across the vastness of Asia and the jungles of Africa, to the haunted forests of New England in the 20th century, the author brings his research to life in over 50 narratives and case histories. Have you ever wondered whether or not vampires actually exist? Whether they are merely folk tales or real creatures that walk the same world we do? Donald F. Glutt's classic survey of the historical record provides food for thought and fascinating insights into the sanguinary world of true vampires of history. Donald F. Glutt is a world-recognized authority on monsters. His books, The Dinosaur Dictionary and Dinosaurs, The Encyclopedia, were included by the American Library Association in their lists of best reference books of the year. And his The Dracula Book and The Frankenstein Catalog were both recipients of the annual Anne Radcliffe Award from the Count Dracula Society. And now for your listening pleasure, an excerpt from True Vampires of History. Countess Elizabeth Bettori The grim castle in the Carpathian Mountains was drowned in tradition of werewolves and other supernatural creatures. Within the Gothic structure, a room reeked with terror a room whose windows and doors had been replaced by brick. There was a slit in the main wall through which food and water could be passed to the prisoner of the room. That prisoner was the most infamous female vampire in all history, Countess Elizabeth Batori of Hungary. The Batori family had been known for its generations of sadists, witches, and sexual perverts. Elizabeth was born about the year 1560 into a family that included a sex-fiend brother, a devil-worshipper uncle, and a lesbian aunt. The young Elizabeth learned much from her weird assortment of relatives. As Elizabeth grew older, she became a practitioner of witchcraft. She carried with her at all times a parchment upon which was inscribed the following incantation against the police and government officials that she feared. Itzen, help me. Itzen, help me. You little cloud, help me too. Give me help protection, and long life to Elizabeth. You little cloud, when I am in danger, send ninety-nine cats. I order you to do so because you are supreme commander of the cats. Give orders to the cats. Tell the cats to gather from wherever they be, on mountains, water, rivers, seas. Order ninety-nine cats to come with speed and bite the heart of King Matthias. Order them to bite the heart of Moses Siraki and to bite the heart of my cousin, the Prime Minister. Command them to claw and bite the heart of Red Megari, and keep Elizabeth safe from harm. Although the incantation was never fulfilled, the priest who had accompanied the police when they raided the Batori Castle on New Year's Eve in 1610 was mauled by six angry cats, followed by a group of mice as he began walking up the front staircase. Countess Elizabeth was not only the best-known female living vampire, she was also the most beautiful. Her black hair, contrasting with her pale complexion, followed her high cheekbones and draped to the waist of her voluptuous figure. 
in her amber eyes was the suggested slant of the eyes of a cat. According to family custom, the enticing young countess married an aristocrat after turning fifteen. He was the bearded Count Ferenc Nyadesti, who succumbed to the whims of this liberated woman and changed his name to Betori. As I was born a Betori, she said with conviction, so shall I live as a Betori, and when I die, I shall die as one. The marriage lasted only a few years, with the Count rarely spending time at the castle. He favored war to domestic life, and destroyed the wounded and civilians with the same gusto he slew valiant warriors. Count Nadesti spent more time away from his wife than with her. During Nadesti's fighting periods, Elizabeth gained her reputation as a bloodthirsty fiend. Punishing and whipping servant girls satisfied Elizabeth's growing craving for blood, at first. But as she reached the age of twenty-six, her lusts increased to more grisly proportions. While Count Nedeste was earning his future nickname the Black Hero of Hungary, Elizabeth delved deeper and deeper into the mysteries of black magic, coached by a sorcerer named Thorka. She made no secret of her excursions into the darker realms of the occult. In a letter to her husband, Elizabeth revealed, Thorka has taught me a lovely new one. Catch a black hen and beat it to death with a white cane. Keep the blood and smear a little of it on your enemy. If you get no chance to smear it on his body, obtain one of his garments and smear it. About that time a stranger visited Elizabeth's castle when Count Nedeste was busy on one of his battles. The stranger looked quite odd with his chalky skin, hard dark eyes, rather sharp teeth, and his black clothing. Immediately Elizabeth and the stranger became constant companions, while the neighboring peasants stayed indoors at night and bolted their locks. The stranger bore all the physical attributes of a supernatural vampire. Perhaps he was even Dracula back from the grave. After a while, the two eloped. When the countess returned to her husband, she was not with the mysterious stranger. Peasants claimed there were traces of fresh blood on her mouth as she spoke. Count Nadesti was more concerned with real battles than one with his wife. He forgave her unfaithfulness as though it made no difference to him. Still, they had no children. The Count mocked her, saying that if she were indeed a powerful witch as she claimed, she could use her incantations to help produce offspring. His words could not go by unheeded. Elizabeth departed for the blackest section of the forest. There, she stripped off her clothes, exposing her perfect body to the night, and performed a magical ceremony. Within the next four years, Elizabeth bore the Count three boys and a girl. Elizabeth's desires to see and feel warm blood increased almost beyond endurance. Her depraved mind, aided by the suggestion of an ugly hag named Ilona Ju, invented new methods by which to attain satisfaction. She began to experiment with new tortures. The spilling of human blood was developing into a science. Molten wax, knives, branding irons all broke the flesh of servant girls. Warned by both her husband and her mother-in-law to stop before the authorities had her executed, Elizabeth ignored them. Furthermore, she recruited a whole team of tormentors, Johannes Yuvari, the chief torturer, Thorka, and two notorious witches, Dorotia Sientish and Darvula. Count Nedesti soon died, the suspected causes being witchcraft or poison. Elizabeth lost no time in ousting her mother-in-law from the castle. The atrocities committed by the Countess were only beginning. She had turned forty years of age, still a ravishing beauty, 
Elizabeth became obsessed that she would soon become a wrinkled old woman. One day, an accident occurred that instilled the most terrible idea of all in Elizabeth's warped mind. A maid was combing the Countess's long hair when she accidentally pulled it. Instinctively, she slapped the girl so hard that blood spurted onto Elizabeth's hand. A wild look came upon her face. Elizabeth rubbed the blood between her fingers, smeared it into her pores. Her skin seemed to take on the servant's youth. Elizabeth had the answer to maintain her own youth. She must bathe in the blood of young virgins. While the terrified maid stood in one corner of the chamber, Elizabeth summoned Johannes Uvari and Thorka. Obeying the orders of their mistress, they stripped the maid naked, cut her, and drained her blood into a vat. When the container was filled with red gore, Elizabeth undressed and bathed ecstatically in the blood. When she emerged from the vat, she could feel newfound youth and beauty course through her crimson-stained body. Now Countess Bathory needed a constant supply of young maidens. Her henchmen would prowl through the surrounding area to lure girls to the castle on the pretext of securing them jobs. When none of the girls ever returned, no one would even approach the castle. Kidnapping was now the only resort to getting victims. Before Elizabeth was captured, she had milked dry of blood from forty to three hundred young women. For reasons unknown, the authorities did not raid the castle to stop her evil practices. Then one of Elizabeth's prisoners, barely alive, managed to escape with a too vivid account of what happened at the Batori castle. The girls were well fed and treated exquisitely, until it was their turn to satisfy the wants of the lesbian vampire. Their veins were pierced so their blood would flow. If they fainted, pieces of flaming paper inserted between their toes awakened them so they would experience the total horror. The atrocities of Countess Bathory and her crew of maniacs went on for ten years. But when a victim happened to be the daughter of a country priest's parishioner, the clergyman demanded that King Matthias raid the castle. The king, infuriated beyond control, summoned the prime minister, a relative of Elizabeth. "'Your cousin,' said King Matthias, "'is guilty not only of being a murderous fiend, but of treason.' On that New Year's Eve, when Countess Bathory and her accomplices were engaging in a frenzied orgy, the castle was invaded by her cousin and governor of the province, Count Georg Thurzo, and a band of soldiers. Elizabeth was confined to her house while her partners were all taken to jail. The captured girls that still lived were freed. The trial of Countess Bathory and her cohorts was indeed fascinating. Elizabeth was never present in the courtroom. She remained locked in her castle while the trial proceeded. Despite the evidence affirming the practices of vampirism and witchcraft, the trial was held entirely on a criminal basis. Countess Bathory was accused of only physical crimes, without the inclusion of witchcraft, black magic, superstition, and hence free from hysteria, the enforced techniques of the Inquisition, or the supposed intervention of the devil. The servants readily confessed all, as there was no way to lie considering the evidence against them, Johannes Yuvari's testimony revealed much. As far as he knew, thirty-seven unmarried girls were killed, six of which he personally acquired by telling them that servant jobs were available at the castle. After being tightly bound, they were tied with tourniquets. Then their veins were slashed with scissors. Some of the girls were tortured by two old women, Dorotia and Ilona, who were rewarded with gifts if they performed their bloody work well. Otherwise, Countess Elizabeth tortured her victims unaided. The torments usually involved whippings and cutting with knives. 
Occasionally, the victims were also frozen in icy water. Ilona also testified. About 40 girls had been tortured and killed. Heated coins and keys were sometimes placed in their hands. One girl's body was covered with honey. Sometimes, when the girls were cut, their blood would splash against the walls of the torture chamber. Everyone involved, save for Elizabeth, Ilona Jew, and Dorotia Sentich, were beheaded and cremated. These latter two accomplices had their fingers yanked off individually, then were burned alive. Countess Bathory was found insane. Her sentence was thusly lightened to life imprisonment within her walled-up room. Within four years, her worst dread became actualized. The once beautiful living vampire of Hungary had withered into an old hag. All of her bloodbathing was to no avail. In 1641, one of the guards stationed outside the great wall of brick peered through the slit provided for passing her food. He wanted to look at the infamous fiend whose beauty was once unchallenged, who was now an old woman. The woman was lying on the floor, face down, unmoving. Countess Elizabeth Batori was dead. We hope you enjoyed listening to this excerpt from True Vampires of History. If you would like to hear the entire audiobook, it can be purchased at Amazon.com, Audible.com, and iTunes.com.